We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Blue Wire. Breaking news, Terry Rozier. He'll be the next starting point guard of the Charlotte Hornets. Step back, wide open, and it's good! Terry Rozier! All right, welcome in everyone to another episode of Buzzbeat, your favorite Charlotte Hornets podcast. This episode is brought to you by our partners, Bet Online. Visit betonline.ag and enter code BLUEWIRE to receive your 100% welcome bonus. By supporting them, you're supporting this podcast. So please go check them out. Wow, BG, that felt pretty good. I didn't know I could still do it, but uh, but apparently I've still got it in me. Richie's been carrying the the wagon for so long, but I guess it's still in me. What's going on, my man? Not much. I'm just uh, impressed. Look, it's like uh, it's like seeing you know MJ come out of the owner's box and be able to you know, step in and, and hit a jump shot here with you, or the way you uh, you you reoriented yourself with that introduction there. But no, man, I'm uh, I'm doing I'm doing all right. I. Uh, it, it is, I've, I've felt the same way for about three weeks now, which is my only, only my own little universe. Uh, things are going pretty well, staying busy, uh, friends and family are healthy and, and employed. Um, and so I consider myself to be pretty fortunate right now. Um, how about yourself? Yeah, same here. That, that's a good way to put it. Um, you know, my wife and I are, both of our jobs are still up, uh, operational, so still getting paychecks. And so, you know, it's affecting a lot of people out there. I, I've been able to, fortunately and unfortunately, learn that kind of firsthand uh, with the school that I work at. We've got some students in just some unthinkable situations. You know, there's a lot of students out there, BG, that, that go to college. So people, I think, assume that they're in in good shape financially. Mm-hmm. But you take away their part-time job that helps them pay the bills and, and also go to school. And now, I mean, I'm reading stuff about some of these kids can't, they don't have the money to eat, you know? So yeah. like this stuff is real. And, um, but I feel fortunate to have, you know, a chance to impact those kids too. So anyways, let's talk some basketball. If you didn't already pick up on it, Richie will not be in this episode today. Uh, so it's going to be me and BG talking Obi Toppin, Devin Vassell, and uh, Tyrese Maxey. So let's start with Obi Toppin, uh, BG. I, I think that he's w- definitely one of the more like polarizing prospects in this draft just because of all the eyebrows he raised this in this past three quarters of the season that we just saw for college basketball. Um, a Dayton team that, and look, I watched Obi Toppin play in person when I used to, was working at Richmond. That was a long time ago. I guess I would have been watching him in his freshman season, but um, a, a raw guy when he first got to Dayton, a late bloomer for sure. Uh, but this past season just burst onto the scene and really in the Maui Invitational when Dayton took Kansas all the way down to the wire uh, in that championship game. Really, really good athlete. Um, 
runs in a straight line like a deer, especially for a guy of his size, uh, and an explosive leaper dunker. I, I think that like your average college basketball fan would really remember him most uh, with with those highlight dunks last season. Mm-hmm. BG. Absolutely. Uh, look, the entire offensive package uh, of, of Toppin is, at least in a vacuum, pretty appealing, and we can sort of dissect it from there. But his finishing around the basket, uh, the dunks, of which he had a lot of them this season, uh, 107 total dunks, uh, that's over four dunks per 40 minutes, and he glides with power through the air. Um, I mean, the, I think it's a little too easy to just try to not just with Toppin, but with prospects in general, you want to, you want to comp them. And, um, I sort of, you know, scratched my head at some of the Amari Stoudemire Toppin comparisons earlier this year. But when you see the way that guy glides and finishes, um, out of the ball screen action or on the break or looking for lobs playing above the rim. I mean, he's explosive. Um, There are, there are some like John Collins, Amari Stoudemire vibes I get from him Mm. um, when he plays, but yeah, he, he, some of the dunks he had this year are are amazing. Um, You know, going above guys out of the post where you're thinking like, Oh, he's about to turn and throw a little hook, a little half hook in here. And all of a sudden he just, <laughs> instead he's raining down fire on a, with a, with a slam over the top of some six foot 10 guys. So yeah. uh, Obi is, a, is athletically, he is a specimen. Yeah. Vertically, I would say he's about as graceful as they come. I mean, he yeah. just looks like in, when he leaves his feet, he looks so much, he looks so comfortable and we can jump into the other part of that. But when he's on his feet, when he's having to change direction, when he's having to slide, yeah. is when he looks uh, questionable would probably be kind. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think that that is probably the biggest question mark, BG, before we kind of return to some of the things he does really well. I want to end on his, his offensive acumen. But defensively, what Dayton did with him in the pick and roll this year, what they asked him to do, really drop in a lot of coverages – uh, and then on the sideline, Dayton tried to ice as many of those actions as possible just to make Obi's job simpler. Um, he looks to really be a statue in pick-and-roll situations. And not only that, but as comfortable as he looks mentally and with the speed of the game on the offensive end, it almost looks like the opposite for him on the defensive end. Um, I've seen a lot of different opinions out there. He, he was a late bloomer, or is a late bloomer, rather. So there's he's 22 a, there's, already. Right, he's 22 already, so that's a problem. But there is a train of thought that he can he can get this on the next level, and he can play power forward not only on on offense but on defense. Um, I'm not as – I'm not as bullish on his defensive ability. BG, what do you see when you watch his film? Yeah, I mean, he feels like a bit of a DH right now, right? Like, it's the thought of him containing, uh, guarding any part of pick-and-roll defense that isn't just totally conservative um, is a little frightening. And even then, I mean, his ability to corral ball handlers with how how bulky and, and upright he is, um, you know, as, as an athlete, uh, you know, his inability to get in a stance – um, and then the thought of him, you know, guarding fours as someone that's in space, having to be a, a, a you know, help defender, multiple rotations, switch, uh, you know, make reads, all that sort of stuff. Like it's, um, it's, it's, it's hard to see at times a path towards him being a guy that can play leverage minutes, you know, for a winning basketball team. Um, if things, you know, if things don't break well for him uh, or if there, a light bulb doesn't go on or if he doesn't, you know, become better in his hips or just become a, a smarter, uh, more industrious defender, um, you know, short of that, uh, there are some pretty real concerns, uh, especially in the pick and roll defense. Uh, I don't know. You, Spencer, you threaded some stuff on this a uh, week or so ago. Any thoughts specifically on Toppin as, um, you know, a team defender, and if so, uh, you know, how much of a concern is that with him being a guy that could uh, really function as a, a two-way player um, in crunch minutes? Yeah, so I think it's a great question. Uh, let's come right back with that and take a quick break here. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. 
or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. All right. So BG talking about, you know, where he fits on defense. And then the second part of your question was like in, in high leverage situations, kind of where does he fit? Is, is that yeah, is yeah, that what yeah. you were getting at? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I just like the first thing I see when I watch him on that end is just how stiff his hips are. Yeah. Um, and it's 100%. And the more prospects that you watch, especially the ones that are real athletic, when you see that one thing athletically that looks so, it, it, it has such a wide variance from everything else that they do. It doesn't make any sense. And that is, that is Obi Toppin's like very wide, uh, you know, variant discrepancy. And so I don't know, I don't know that he is a player to your point from earlier, 22 years old, you know, next season, certainly the season after, you know, we'll mm-hmm. see that you can really have out there in really important defensive moments. I mean, unless it's, um, uh, I mean, there's just not many guys of his size at his position, kind of a four and a half, that you can hide on a basketball court. You can't hide him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's what scares me the most. And, um, yeah, so I I don't know. That's why I would, if I were a GM, it's the biggest reason, I think, BG, that I would just, like, if he got to 20 or 21 or, you know, somewhere in that range, mid to mid to late first round, I might have to think hard, but if I'm a GM, I I just, I really don't think I want to have to draft this guy for that reason, his age and defensively. I just don't know what to do with him late. Yeah. I'm with you. Look, I'm not comparing these two guys. They're different prospects. I I do think there are some, there's some uh, concerns with defense um, and perhaps the, the late bloomer status that they have, but like think about how um, uh, Hachimura a season ago and, and Toppin this year that they, they occupy, I think a similar, like similar concerns, even though I don't think they're, uh, you know, necessarily facsimiles of one another on the basketball court. Um, and it's That's tough a good one. That's a good one, BJ. Yeah. I haven't thought about that one. And it's tough too, because like, there's a lot like Toppin was the best player in college basketball this year. He was awesome. Like there's no, there's no doubting yeah. that he was, incredibly productive offensive player. Um, he's now, I mean, he shot close to 42% on threes for his career, over 100 attempts. Um, going back to the 07, 08 season, he's one of just three guys along with Taco Fall and uh, Yudoka Azabuki to have over 100 dunks in a season that's according to uh, Bart Torvik's database. He shot 83% on close twos this season, 70% from the line. He's a good passer. Um, I do think though, and I'd be curious to know what you, how you feel about this as well too. Like, look, if you watch Dayton this season, they were, they were arguably the most fun team in college basketball, the best offense up there with Gonzaga play with a really good guard in Jalen Crutcher, but just, at no time, you know, at all times, spacing around him, playmakers around him, shooting yeah. around him. He was in such a great situation to absolutely maximize his offensive value. And to his credit, he did that. But just think about that in comparison to, like, what Zion dealt with last season at Duke. No yeah. shooting around him. I mean, great players, no doubt, but just no shooting. Playing a lot of times with um, – with a guy like Marquise Bolden, who's going to be in the dunker spot. Like that's not something that, that, that top and had to deal with this year. And so I, I do sort of worry when um, not just like the competition jumps up, but just like, if you're just, even if you're just focusing on offense, which is objectively the better half of the court for him, uh, when the inputs around him aren't quite as uh, don't have quite as much of advantage as yep. they did when he was at Dayton. I get like a little, I worry about that a little bit. I think it's a great point. I mean, you know what it reminds me of a lot. Dayton's offense this year reminded me of that second Villa, back-to-back Villanova championships. That second, I mean, yeah. that's the most fun college offense I've ever watched. Yeah. And Dayton, they weren't quite to that level, but they were an, an efficient steam engine that I think yep. you're right. Uh, Obi Toppin benefited from that probably outweighs his 
uh, I don't want to take too much away from him here, but outweighs his true impact yeah. on the floor, especially in a conference like the A-10, which isn't too far behind the Power Fives, but it is behind it. Yeah. Um, but I, I, the question for me, and I think the question that you'll see for GMs, whoever ends up drafting him is pretty much, especially in the lottery, is probably saying, yeah, yeah, we get his defensive struggles. We think his offensive impact outweighs those yeah. so we, you yeah. know we we just simply think that he's going to be worth you know 1.3 points per possession or, or 1.5 points per possession on the offensive end and he's given up 1.3 on the defensive end which is really bad but it mm-hmm. we're still getting in that positive you yeah. know like somebody, somebody's going to look at it like that because his mm-hmm. offensive toolbox and feel for the game and skill set with the ball in his hands, passing, you brought it up. He showed a little wiggle when he puts it on the floor. I mean, mm-hmm. that highlight against Kansas, the, the step back between the legs three was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, and then his ability to play above the rim and dive and, and screen. Like, his offensive impact is huge. So it, it's just a, it's a value proposition. Yeah, I wish I w- it's one of those things where it's like you see some of these centers that are lob threats and it's like, um, you know, I felt this way about Jackson Hayes last year. It's like there's just a floor that I can see with them that they're going to be like passable enough defensively. And um, if they're just worried about rim running, uh, you know, they're going to be they can be they at least help out an offense that allows them to play four round one and they're going to you know, draw gravity and space vertically and all that sort of stuff. And it's like Toppin can be like Toppin can be a kind of guy that can, that can cave a defense in roll into the hoop and looking for lobs and stuff. But the problem is, is what he's going to like, I mean, we're sort of talking about this. It's just, does the value of that, um, you know, especially if you're not able to access some of the outer limits of his shooting potential, like the off the dribble stuff that you were talking about and some of the playmaking, which was good. Like Dayton gave him playmaking or passing possessions this season. And he was a big part of their offense and he, he was quite good at it. Um, but just if, uh, you know, if, if the defense is so bad that it makes the floor just harder to see that, that concerns me with Toppin as a prospect. Uh, I, I'm intrigued. I, you know, I don't think he's a stay away or anything like that, depending on, on, on where you're trying to, you know, range him in as a pick, but uh, a lot of, a lot of red flags with Obi Toppin as a prospect, even though he was obviously amazing this season. And I certainly feel bad for Toppin and Anthony Grant and Dayton, because I think they could yeah. have maybe had a, a magical run this year. Um, it would have been fun to have seen them maybe chase the final four spot. Cause it feels like they were, they were sort of due for a moment um, as arguably the most exciting team in college hoops this season. And just like everyone else, the rug got pulled out from underneath them. Yeah, for sure. That's a good point. I, I do think they were going to go deep in March. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and look, I think Obi Toppin is an NBA player and no I think, he could, and I think he could have a long career, but you know, I, I don't think he merits top 10, um, yeah. you know, the, and, and maybe in a week draft he does, I, I don't know, but I think mm-hmm. he's, I think he is utility player as Brian mentioned. I think he's, I wouldn't call him a super sub, but he is, he is an offensive shot in the arm mm-hmm. uh, coming off the bench unlike you don't see many of those at his position right but um yeah. you know i think kyle's kyle kuzma is an interesting hmm. um comparison just in terms of what what the lakers asked kuzma to do he's gotten a lot better defensively but yeah. you know, his ability to score the ball in a few different ways is really what gives them an extra an extra gear and i think Toppin could be that for somebody i think he just makes more sense late lottery mid first round i wouldn't be shocked if he got back towards the towards the end of the first round though but it's also I, done I, I think so too i think it, he and he and wiseman uh, both have the yeah actually, i don't know wiseman's probably still going to go pretty high but it's like those are the two guys where it just feels like there's um there's maybe more variance in how those guys are viewed we talked about this with wiseman 2 weeks ago just like a uh, bigger larger variance in between like consensus view and what um, what sort of like the in-depth draft people who are like looking at this stuff and are trying to break stuff down, like what we're looking at. I just think there are red flags with Toppin that, uh, that are causing him to come across as just a little bit more of a risky prospect uh, if you're taking him, you know, inside the lottery. 
Sure. Yep. Mostly agree. All right. Well, let's move on to a guy that I think we both like a lot. He's my favorite ACC prospect. I, I mm-hmm. think that he is yours. Yes, uh, he is. Devin Vassell, Florida State. I'm just going to let you kind of roll it out here because you've been following this guy so closely all year. Yeah, I, I love Devin Vassell. I, I think he he actually might be my favorite prospect in the in the draft period. Um, six seven, two hundred pound wing, high motor two-way wing. Um, I wrote a piece last May, actually, for ACC Sports saying, uh, can Devin Vassell emerge as one of the best three and D prospects in the country? Uh, yes, he can. Uh, in fact, I think, I think he is the best three and D prospect by, by a fair margin in the, in the draft this season, skinny, um, but strong, super long. I, I mean, I don't have an official measurement for his wingspan. I'm sure it's going to come, come in close to six eleven, seven feet. Um, I mean, some of the steals from behind that you highlighted on Twitter last week are are just like criminal. Crazy. Uh, I think, you know, once he'll add more muscle, which will unlock a little more versatility defensively, but like he can already guard three positions. He'll be able to guard four. He's only 19, doesn't turn 20 until August, but he's already played. He had over uh, 1,200 college minutes, over 700 minutes in the ACC for his career. So you're getting a young guy with a lot of seasoning. Um, Florida State actually thought about redshirting him last season, which was his freshman year. Um, and then I talked to Trent Forrest, their point guard, about this this past fall, and he was basically like, the players at FSU were going to the coaches and saying, you can't redshirt this guy. He can help us. Um, and then obviously he made a huge jump this season. Um, we'll start – we'll get to the, the part of the jump that he made too because some of that deals with his offense and shot creation. But I think with Vassell, you have to start with his defense – um, he's an elite team defender. This guy is not, I think he has it in him to be a one-on-one stopper for sure, but it's what this guy does away from the basketball on the weak side, um, on the strong side that is so damn special. I think it's going to, I think it gives him a really high floor as an NBA prospect. And it's what made him, in my opinion, I mean, I think he should have been the, the defensive player of the year in the ACC FSU switched one through five this year. Devin Vassell guarded one through five for Florida State, but it's what his help did on the weak side when when FSU would switch ball screens and the and the point guard Trent Forrest or Anthony Polite would end up on the opposing five and Vassell behind the play, deterring passes or breaking up passes, um, intercepting balls. It was incredible. He has great vision from the weak side, great instincts, but he has enough pop athletically to be able to break on balls, time them, get to the, get to the opponent right when the pass is getting there too, and just take off in the other way. And he's a great transition player. He shot over 70% in transition this season. He's electric um, on the break. I just think he has incredible timing, like a great, I don't know, the cornerback or safety breaking on the ball, but not getting there to get a pass interference call. Like he just gets there just in time. Um, And then he did some freaky stuff too, like from the strong side, let's say he's, he's guarding off ball on the wing opponent uh, opposing point guard, you know, breaks down, it's going off the dribble, but without a ball screen and they come in the direction of the cell. Like he got to a point during conference play this season where like, if you got close enough to him, Bill, uh, Zach Lowe used to talk about this with Kawhi Leonard. Like if you were close enough to Kawhi Leonard, he was just going to take the basketball physically from yeah. you. And Vassell had some of those moments this season as well, too. Um, for his career, two steals and 1.3 blocks per 40 minutes. This guy was a, a stocks monster in college. We'll finish his college career 4% block rate, uh, 3% career uh, steal rate. Uh, Vassell, one of two players in the ACC this season with a defensive BPM of three or more, 4% block rate, 2% steal rate. Um he was also one of nine Division One players this season, six eight or shorter, with at least a four percent block rate and one hundred or more three point attempts. Um, yeah, he's just a special, special defensive prospect, and because of that, with his three point shooting, which I, I think is going to translate, it makes this guy. Uh, it gives him just a really high floor. Um, I don't, and I, but I don't even mean that like in a in like a oh he's a safe pick like he is. But I think there's some some very real upside too. So what's what's your sort of baseline uh, thought on Vassell and in his defense this season? 
Well, this is going to feel more like an interview, probably more than anything, because I know you've, you've followed him so closely. But what I, the thought that has gone through my head with Vassell is like everything you just described in, in his high floor and his defensive upside. It, it's just so obvious. It's, it's yeah. undeniable, which is I think locks him into the lottery or yeah. it should at least. Yeah. Regardless of how high you think his ceiling is, which is really the question. And this is mm-hmm. one we had about DeAndre Hunter last year. Yeah. And it's like it's pretty clear, or at least we think, that he's never going to be a guy that develops on the ball and becomes, you know, a, a 25 point, 20 to 25 points per night kind of player. But his impact on almost every other aspect of the game is very obvious and, and cements his, his decade-long career, right? So he's worth yeah. a high pick. So I have the same kind of thoughts with Vassell. And so my question to you is, you know, does he have some on-ball ability? Can can yeah. he be a second? You know, can he be a second cog in an offense that is good enough to be in the NBA playoffs? You know, does he have a ceiling that takes him from really, really good starter, uh, third, fourth, eh, fifth option in, mm-hmm. in a good offense, but impacts every other aspect of the game? To no, like this guy could be CJ McCollum one day on the offensive end, and then defensively, he's way, way better than that. So we're talking about you know, seven time all-star. I mean, does he have that? I think the, there are the outer limits of his, of his offensive, of his offensive potential that can get to there. I, I, he would have to really hit, you know, his like, you know, 98th or better percentile, you know, I think to be like that kind of like, Oh, this guy's a 20, you know, 5% usage guy, you know, like uh, he can carry an offense when the a one primary initiator sits, um, but I do think he has it in him to be like a guy that can score a lot of points efficiently. Um, I, I think there's like a him sort of like a, as like a third guy offensively. Like think about like the Jalen Brown role almost in Boston. Like can yeah. be a twenty can be an efficient twenty points a game scorer. But um, but like yeah, like right now he takes a back seat to Kemba and 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 Jason Tatum and maybe even Gordon Hayward on certain nights, whatever. But like this season is the first time we really saw his freshman year. Vassell was all catch and shoot. Didn't play that much anyways, too, but mostly catch and shoot. The first game this season, they played Pittsburgh and he came out hot uh, and showed that he was pretty. He had worked on clearly last offseason his pull up shooting. Um, he had a couple couple pull-up shots that game, at least one three-pointer in the opener against Pitt, which is one of the very few games FSU lost all season. Um, and, yeah, like he, he can run a little pick and roll now. He can play. He can hit a little pull-up shot. Um, he's got a crazy high release point that make that's going to really help him translate to the NBA. Um, I, you know, I don't know if there's a lot of twi- – the, the one, one of the reasons why – I'm not sure if he has this this sort of this one gear you're sort of wondering if he can get to is because he's not like super twitchy, you know, like he, he I've it's rarely do you see Devin Vassell just like break down a defense off the dribble and get to the rim. Like, you know, usually if he's going to create his own shot, it's to it's to get to his, his uh, pull up mid range shot. Um I kind of think he has like the in-between game. Sometimes it reminds me of Jeremy Lamb a little bit because you know, remember Lamb has that that release point on his floater that's so, so damn high. Yeah. And sometimes I get I get whiffs of that with Vassell, but obviously his defense is just exponentially better than than yeah. Jeremy, Jeremy, Jeremy Lamb's can can be. Um, but he's a he is I mean he's a three level scorer. Uh, 42% shooting on threes for his career in college. Uh, close to 170 attempts. Um, 74% shooting from the free throw line this season. That was another big jump for him. Um, 86% of his threes this season were assisted on, but shot 70% at the rim, including 26 dunks. But to my point, uh, 63% of his finishes at the rim were, uh, were assisted on, you know what I'm saying? So like a lot of that is him cutting on the baseline. Yeah. Yeah. Trent force and throwing him a lob and transition, something like that. But 43% along twos, and about 80% of those long two finishes were unassisted. So that's where a lot of his shot creation game is coming from. It's more in the mid range. We'll have to see if he can get, if yeah. he can get a little twitchier, a little faster, a little, a little tighter with the handle. I just don't, I don't know if he has that in him. Um, I'm not saying there's a 0% chance. It just, it, I think his ceiling offensively is a little bit lower than that. 
Yeah, I, I, I ask it for a few reasons. Number one, because I think if you did a blind test and looked at his advanced stats, uh, I mean, he's an advanced stats darling, yeah. right? Yes. So, like, like if yeah. I was a GM and you were like, you put a blindfold on me and read these stats off, and I'd be like, and tell me his size and his age again, and you tell me, yeah. I was like, why aren't we considering him at number one? You yeah. know, so, like, you know, he's that kind of guy. So, and then number two, how does this guy potentially fit in Charlotte? Like, how does he fit around the pieces that already exist here? My gut is he fits pretty seamlessly. I think he's a kind of, like, I think this guy fits on every roster. Like I do because, because he can, because he has so much versatility defensively because he's going to come in and just immediately help your defense uh, as a team defender, but he's got a pretty good three point shot. Um, I mean, like, why was Robert Covington such a hot commodity at the trade deadline? Right. Cause it's like, you can just take that dude and put him on any roster and like, he's just going to make the team better. You know what I mean? And I think Vassell has that as well too. It's like, you, you just can't have enough six foot seven guys that can defend and shoot on, on your team. Um, and I think he's a guy like, I, I think, you know, he can play the two or the three, uh, you know, it depends sort of, you know, long-term what, if we're looking at just Charlotte's roster, uh, what we think of Miles Bridges long-term. Mm-hmm. But even then, even if even if you're adamant on Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington being cornerstones, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if Terry Rozier is a part of the long-term picture, especially if right. you then drafted Devin Vassell. Um, and so I, I just think of it as like, I think there are some interesting, for Charlotte's, from Charlotte's perspective, there are some interesting primary creators in this draft. A lot of the international guards, mm-hmm. Killian Hayes, LaMelo Ball, RJ Hampton. Um, and, you know, I mean, maybe if you want to squint real hard and say Cole Anthony too, go for it. Um, but I just think there, you can find, you can maybe find those guys next season as well too. Like a, a Cade Cunningham is sort of lurking in 2021 and, the ability to add another piece that would look great around that. Um, I mean, I, I just think hit another hit another single, maybe a, yeah, maybe a double. You know and, what and, I mean? like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, Charlotte could use defend. I mean, any team could use defenders, but like the thought of Vassell and, and Cody Martin playing defense with PJ Washington yeah. as your four, you're like, wow. All right, now we got some switchy pieces out here. We got some. Yeah. Now we have a couple good defensive players as well too. Um, and if Cody Zeller were still around too, you're like, wow, I mean, they got four competent defensive players out on the court right now. Um, Invisel, low mistake player, a, a turnover rate for his career under 9%, um, had just 23 total turnovers this entire season. Um, that's with a, you know, a usage rate above 20%. Uh, and he played nearly 900 minutes of basketball too. So uh, low mistake player. I think perhaps you could even say, Hey, I mean, we need you to maybe take even more chances with the basketball. Like you, you were so risk averse. Um, maybe you do have another gear as a, as a shot creator and an offensive engine. Um, but we need you to, we need you to be a little more ambitious with the basketball. I don't know if that's quite the case, but, um, but I just, it just added it, it, that, that goes in line. He fits the mold of just like the optimal three and D prospect because he's got, the high block rate, the high steal rate, the three point percentage above thir- above forty percent, the the high release point that's going to be fine over NBA closeouts, and he's got some counter moves because he can put the ball on the deck too and create his own shot. Um, yeah, so I just I think he's a guy that you can just copy and paste onto any roster, but I think there's some excitement to him too because he's young. He got mm-hmm. better. And I think there's plenty of room for him to grow uh, as a as a player uh, and a guy that really fits into the modern NBA too. So I think he's an exciting pick, even though I think he's safe and has a has a high floor as well. Yeah, I think we're in agreement here. I yeah. I, I love Devin as a prospect and think that Charlotte would not be wise to pass on him if he yeah. were available. Um, let the pieces fit into the puzzle later where they fit. But One take of, the best guy. One of eight players since the 07-08 season with uh, at least 2.5% steal rate, 40% three-point shooting with at least 100 more attempts, and a turnover rate below 10%. He did that this season. Um, I, athletically, a couple of their thoughts, too. Quick off his feet, like his first jump is really quick, and with his arms, too, it's like he didn't – to create events defensively this season, of which he did that a lot – 
Um, he didn't have to like just take like unnecessary chances, even in Florida State's defense, which is like they turned the the denial and the pressure up to ten on every possession, picking people up full court and switching everything and denying passing lanes. Like he could be patient and go get balls when they were in the air. Um, and I think he has. I think he's a pretty like special athlete in terms of doing that good hips like i said he can play above the rim too um and the one other thing i would say too is this guy did something that i don't think you see a lot with college defenders even even good ones on the wing this guy can just blow up triple handoffs this season again similar to like chris paul or Kawhi leonard like getting hand in the cookie jar on the play but not fouling like when yeah. when, when opponent he's he's in help um, and, and his man's going up to, to go for a little handoff exchange, and he could just time it perfectly, get his hand in there, and disrupt has, those plays, man. He, outside of just his length, Vassell's one of those guys that just has this um, almost like unexplainable hand-eye coordination to yeah. where he get as fast as all the different body parts and limbs and the game is moving, he can get his hand on the basketball. I mean, yeah. he can truly do all this without fouling. You know, that's what makes these defensive players so special. It's not the size of Kawhi Leonard's hands or his length. Yeah, that stuff helps. But his hand-eye coordination is just, like, unworldly. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, think, and I think that uh, Vassell has the same kind of skill. Um, anything else, BG, before we move on to Maxi? No, I think we can go ahead and flip it over to Tyrese. I would just say, like, if, if the Hornets got Devin Vassell, at wherever they end up picking from um, – I think he's he's a guy I would feel comfortable taking in basically any range of the draft. I think very highly of him as a prospect and, and what he will translate into in the NBA. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100. percent All right, Tyrese Maxey. Um, you know, th- this is a guy at Kentucky last year. They they asked him to do a lot offensively, and I, and I think he did. I think he did a lot of it well. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is a guy that has a pretty good feel for the game. He's a re- he's just a real like zippy athlete. Um, yes. Everything he does is just like quick, you know. It's just it, yeah, exactly. Speed, it is like man. In, in a blink, yeah, yeah. It's speed. So um, I like that about him. I've seen some like Malik Monk comparisons to him, or at least uh, maybe it's the easy one because of the Kentucky ties and the their the size, size. Similar. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Six three, two hundred. Yeah, right. But I, I think they're way, way different athletes. Yeah. Agreed. Um, Agreed. I I really like Maxi and what he can become as as a player in the NBA. I think he's like at his best, a guy that gets the three point shot online and mm-hmm. has deep range, which he showed at Kentucky last year. Yes. And he needs some really yes. deep shots and in some clutch situations too. Yeah. And and Maxie he he can be a lead ball handler. I mean mm-hmm. I I don't even want to say that he's like a point guard. But he can, you can flip the ball, you can just switch the court, get that guy going downhill with some drag screen or ball screen with momentum, and he's going to make a play. He's going to terrorize yeah. defenses. And so I, I don't, I can't even like exactly put my finger on what I like about him most. I just like the way he moves around the basketball court because he does all that without being out of control to an extent. So, BG, that said, where do you fit, you know, stand on Maxi as a prospect? I like Tyrese Maxey a lot, and I feel pretty confidently in him being a, a, a good pro. Uh, I think there are a couple of negatives, like, you know, he didn't shoot the three ball well after the the big start, the hot start he had against Michigan State, but shot 36% on threes against top 50 competition. Synergy had him uh, at 46% on transition threes this season, too. He loves looking for those catch and shoots. Um, either as a trailer or sort of cutting against the grain. So I that's, buy this. That's sh- a monkism. That's the only. That's one of the few things you can compare. The, yeah. I think the, the the one again outside of just like the size and in Kentucky listed Tyrese Maxey at 200 pounds. Like they're maybe being like a little generous with that, but like he's he's strong. Like he's not skinny. You know, uh, I think he's powerfully built. He's not super long, so like the the stocks numbers aren't great. But he is a very good defender. And he was a very good finisher at the rim this season, about 65, 66% shooting at the rim with most of the vast majority of those field goals coming unassisted. And so that's where like the comparisons to Monk fall apart, right? Like I do think the way they look for shots moving without the basketball and transition in the half court, that's where I see some similarities in how they move. But in terms of like Maxi's defensive upside, um, and, and what where Maxi is as a rim finisher in college compared to where Malik Monk was, and obviously Malik made a big jump this season in the pros. 
um, before things went sideways for him. But uh, that's where like the comparison, you know, crumbles pretty, pretty darn quickly. But I, I, I can see why people are, I can see why people have done it. But other thing to consider with Maxi and his shot, uh, shot 83% from the free throw line, 120 attempts. So like there are just positive indicators with him. Um, his shot form is good. It's solid. The elbows may be a little low, but man, he gets that thing off quickly. He gets it off above, above closeouts, uh, good yeah. prep, good shot prep, good movement off the basketball. Uh, and I do think, and this is where he reminded me again, not comparing Malik Monk and Tyrese Maxey, but just like the, we saw Tyrese Maxey this season be able to catch the basketball. Like, you know, he's, he's fading off the screen or he's relocating in the half court, jab, step, plant, and then, and then like you said, he's, everything's fast with him. Just power dribble speed the other way. Yeah. And he can go left or right. He has a nice touch on his floater and he's incredible at the rim. He's just a graceful athlete. He can you know, he can compact his body and then expand it. He's just flexible with both hands and, and coordinated, um, you know, going through contact and, and, you know, driving in from 20 feet or, or in transition. I mean, he had some just full court drives this year, um, especially going to his left. Like he's really good going to his left hand. Um, and I think part of it is obviously like he's got, you know, he's just a, an explosive athlete in terms of speed, but like, he's just got super quick hands too, man. The way he's able to, tri- when he has the ball, like in a triple threat position, he's able to swing through and then immediately drive left or right. Like his hands are just so fast and strong. Um, I think he's a great athlete. You just got to sort of like think about it in different terms. Cause it's not just like the. Oh, he's, he's super long, you know, nuclear athlete that is trying to dunk on every seven footer out there. Like he has great balance too, no doubt. But, um, I just think his athleticism is packaged slightly different from, I think maybe some of the more traditional wing ways. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. You know, to your point about, you know, his jump shot, his elbow is a little low. It causes uh, the shot to look a little flat at times. So, but mm-hmm. that's, that's correctable because the rest of the motion is so fluid. You know, he gets, he catches in good rhythm. Uh, with good balance, and it's, it's one, two into the motion pretty mm-hmm. similarly every single time. So, um, yeah, underrated, like just slashing ability in general, clever. very underrated. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. clever, very underrated, can go off both feet, finish with both hands. Um, and, you know, I like him. I, I just think in the end for Maxi, it probably boils down to his, you know, his size, assuming mm-hmm. he's, he's done growing which I would assume is the case. Yeah. And, you know, can he, can he add some weight? Yeah, sure, he can add some weight. But, you know, it's just it's hard to play two guard in the NBA if you're 6'3". Yeah. It just is. Like, yeah, there's just going to gonna, gonna be problems, uh, certainly defensively. You get to the playoffs, teams are going to hunt you. Even when you're not, they're, they're going to hunt you. So, you know, that, that is what Maxi has to overcome. You know, I think that – I think if he's not groomed into a full-time ball handler, you know, at his best, then, you know, he is going to be – this off the bench, you know, microwave offense kind of guy, which is totally fine. I mean, I I think that that's probably the role he fits best in the NBA. Um, But, you know, I think in the end, that is probably why he reminds me, you know, more of a, um, you know, him and Tyus Jones are are, are way, way different, but, but something like that, you know, he's a better athlete than Tyus, but something like, you know, just comes off the bench, change of pace, you know, kind of player, almost like a, like, like a Teague, like a, like a Jeff Teague kind of guy. Jeff Teague started for a long time, but Mm -hmm. you know, I think there were limits to how good he could be. Um, They remind me of each other a little bit. Yeah. They're like, Maxi is no doubt is without a doubt, like an attacking guard. I mean, in transition in the half court, he is a, a skilled slasher and his, his first step and burst are, are great. And he is, he's very strong with the basketball and strong through contact. It was the playmaking as far as like, can this guy break down the defense and just create open shots for teammates? That's like the biggest flag with him. That's like the biggest, not flag. That's like the biggest question mark with, with Maxi. Um, I think he had moments this season passing the basketball, but um, I, I, it left something to be desired as well too, in terms of just like, when this guy runs pick and roll, like he wants right, to reject right. it. He wants to reject the screen or split and, the screen and get downhill. And, and create like for himself. Yeah, 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 exactly. He's looking, he's looking exactly. to score. 
That, um, that is that is my number one question mark with Maxi is yeah. can he manipulate defenses in the pick and roll as a lead ball handler? Like that's it's, it. That's all I need to know. To and then I yeah, and then I'll you know everybody could know his ceiling. If he can, then you have a six three point guard, right? Yeah. You can now shoot and also be explosive. If he can't yeah. and he's gonna reject the screen or try to split it, like you said, and he's always trying to get downhill BG, then He's he's your sixth man, you know. Yeah. So. There there are some. Uh, I can't take credit. I saw it was this is a couple months ago. Is one or two of the guys from the Stepian made this comparison. Uh, the 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 Ben Gordon comparison with with Maxi is is sort of interesting. That's I a good think, one as well. Um, again, I can't. I, I wish I could remember who I. I'll maybe I can look it up. But uh, but I kind of like that comparison. He's a good defender. Um, but of course, limited in terms of his length and his size, but a great on ball defender, good help defender. And similarly, like as soon as he gets the ball, man, he's looking to run and he wants, you know, he wants tempo. I think he would have done, you know, we were sort of talking about this with Toppin where like Obi played in a system this season in terms of its principles and the talent around him that allowed him, that gave him the opportunity to maximize his ability. And he went out and did that. Um, I think Maxi played to basically the best of what he was able to at Kentucky, maybe in terms of shooting, he maybe would have liked a little bit more, but like, I mean, this team, this was not a traditional Kentucky team, man. No, um, they, they went up and down. Bad, bad shooting team. Uh, you know, uh, Montgomery never got online as a, as a real finisher in the front court. They were super uh, limited in terms of their rotation. Hagen's had a weird season. Um, and it was really all on Maxi and and uh, quickly and Nick Richards to to carry this team and for quickly and uh, and Maxi to just, just sort of like the two sources of like efficient perimeter offense and so I'll be curious to see like what he looks like with with NBA pieces and NBA shooting and screen setters around him um, because I do think he's an intelligent off basketball player um, and so it's just like if you could pair him with the right other guard you know it's like mm-hmm. I think he has it in him to be a starter but then you're getting into you're getting into fit and some other things but because of his defense and because I buy the shot because I think he's going to become a pretty good shooter um, I I think he's, I think he's just like going to become, I think he has a good floor as a prospect. Like I think he's going to become a good NBA player. It's just like, is this a guy that can be a, a starting guard, a creator on a playoff team? Yeah. Or is he like a, you know, microwave bench score? I think that's with, with, with some very real defensive upside um, or, or strengths on the defensive side of the course, maybe the better way to put that. Yeah. Um, and, that, and all that will depend on the pieces you put around him and how he progresses as a playmaker or, you know, maybe fails to progress as a playmaker. Sure. You know, and I think the real, you know, we talked about the upside, you know, if you can become a lead guard and, and be really uh, that creator in the pick and roll, the, the real downside is if, if it, the shot actually doesn't come online, which, you know, yeah. some of the stats in college, I think more of that had to do with volume and what you were yeah. saying, BG, about just so much pressure of that offense falling on his shoulders. But like, if, if that doesn't happen, which we've experienced that firsthand, <laughs> right? With Malik yeah. Monk, yeah, it, cool you know. Boy. So if, if that doesn't happen, I think maybe we're we're experiencing now the downside of, of Tyrese Maxey. But um, he's a real interesting prospect. Again, what I like about the mo- what I like about him the most is just his zest, his zippiness, mm-hmm. his you know, in, in doing all that with quickness and with urgency all while also being for the most part, pretty under control is yeah. impressive. And I think that translates with more space to the point you made to BG. So I think he's interesting. All right. So let's, let's now recap these, these three pro- prospects. So assuming all these players are equal, um, which player do you think fits really the, the best knee? Who's the best fit for Charlotte BG? I think this one is actually pretty, uh, pretty easy. I mean, again, I like Tyrese Maxey a lot, but I think it's Devin Vassell, um, a wing defender, another shooter, a spot up guy. Um, and whether or not you think uh, PJ and Bridges or one of those guys or both of those guys, they're, they're cornerstones, no matter, regardless of, of how you think about that. Vassell still fits with this bunch. I think he fits on any roster, the NBA. And and again, as I went into detail a few minutes ago, like I think there's the ability for him to, to take additional steps as a, as an offensive threat. So I would say Vassell um, is, is sort of 
the cleanest fit, though um, I, I like some of the Maxi's hypothetical potential in Charlotte too. What about you? Yeah, I think we're going to agree on both these questions. I think it's Vassell too. I, I just <laughs> yeah. think his, his floor is too high. He, he checks too many boxes mm-hmm. uh, of impact on the game, and I would definitely take him um, regardless of fit on the Hornets. Like you said, his, I think he's copy-paste. His ascent is incredible too. It, like this dude two years ago was a top 150 or to like a 200 level recruit. You know what I mean? Yeah, like right, this right. guy, he went, he made himself and credit to Devin Vassell, his family and that coaching staff, Stan Jones, uh, Leonard Hamilton, the rest of those dudes at FSU that turned this guy from the, the number 200 rated prospect in the country to a, a guy that should be a top 10 pick um in less than 24 months it's it's crazy and that means he's got a work ethic and we've seen his motor defensively too so that that again that adds to my courage my conviction in trusting this guy as a prospect as well yeah yeah i mean i i think you're dead on there so i would i would take Vassell and then second question but i think we've already answered if you were gm who would you draft i would definitely draft (laughs) devin Vassell, and i'm assuming you would as well Yes, uh, absolutely. I feel very like the Hornets picked, you know, eight or nine or whatever, seven, maybe 10. Yeah, I feel pretty good about Tyrese Maxey, too. But now nah, I've got on my board of uh, the is the guy that I've got, you know, circled in three different highlighter colors as, as the guy that I'd, I'd really like to see coming to Charlotte this season. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, let's put a bow on this. Uh, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of BuzzBeat. Uh, if you don't mind, uh, look, just take a few minutes uh, out of your day and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We've got 82 reviews right now, which is great, but I know we have more than 82 people that listen to this uh, podcast, <laughs> yeah. each one, because I because I look at the stats. So if, if you don't mind, just take a few minutes uh, and, and give us a review. We would really appreciate that. All right, look, stay safe out there, and we're going to see you guys next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.